Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 91 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lap story writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm Garbage Peel Kid, Handy Andy. How are you doing? I'm okay, I'm okay. How are you? I'm not bad, not bad, not bad. We have had um, an eventful day in our hands trying to get this sorted. Again, we're making things work when the odds look stacked against us, Mitch. Yeah, I think we're getting quite handy at that, to be honest. <laughs> handy Andy. Well, this is it, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thank God one of us is. <laughs> So, how's your week been? What have you been watching? Tell me some stuff. Oh, well, my week's been okay. Good. Largely uneventful. Okay. In terms of what I've watched, uh, I checked out a film that I thought you had seen, but now I'm on reflection, I don't think you have. Okay. Sure you're working. <laughs> I checked out The Golden Glove. I haven't seen this yet, and uh, the reason that I haven't seen this is it was shown at Celluloid Screams, but it was shown immediately after our live show. Uh, so uh, obviously we'd just been kind of talking fairly intensely for an hour and 30, 35 minutes and uh, I didn't want to roll straight into something that sounded quite so miserable. I wanted to have a pint with you and kind of decompress and I think we also had a mini show to record. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty eventful across the board. So you finally caught the Golden Gloves. Now this one uh, I believe had a fair bit of buzz about it in the festival circuit because it's apparently extremely unpleasant. I don't know too much more about it beyond that. So um, take it away. What's it about? Why the fuss? And what did you think? Well, firstly, I was kind of interested in seeing The Golden Glove when it replaced Harpoon at Celluloid Screams. Very interesting programming selection, because that's far from a straight swap. No, 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 it's definitely not. And then hearing things from people right away, I kind of wanted to see it. As far as I knew, there was no set schedule for release in the UK, uh, so I picked up the German DVD. Right, okay. Yeah, thoroughly, thoroughly unpleasant. It's the story of real-life serial killer Fritz Honka, Mm -hmm. and... His life in Hamburg, very, very seedy, very grotty life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very grotty life. And a grotty film as well. Like, it, again, it's one of those films where every surface just looks disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh, every character is kind of caked in sweat and dirt and just, just generally awful. There's a fair amount of violence against women in it and sexual mm-hmm. violence. Uh, so if any of that's particularly triggering for you, I would approach the Golden Glove with caution. Okay, yep, good advice. But that said, it does have an absolutely amazing kind of central performance from Jonas Dessler. Okay. Unbelievably committed stuff. Actually, all the actors in it are incredibly committed mm-hmm. because some of the material is quite, quite rough. Yeah. But on the whole, yeah, I'm, I, I really liked it. I, I enjoyed it as much as you can enjoy a film. Yeah. Like this, that. Na- this nasty and this scuzzy. Is your like nihilist 2019 double bill, the Golden Glove and the House Jack bill? Actually, not far not far removed from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but whereas there's this real kind of sterility to the house that Jack built, the Golden Glove is totally the antithesis of that. Okay. Both nasty in their own ways, but. Very different ways? Very different ways. Okay. But uh, certainly. The Golden Glove wins hands down for grimiest effort. And better film? I'm going to go with The Golden Glove, if I'm okay, honest with okay, you. Okay, cool. As much as I like Von Trier, I do think it does have a tendency to 
swing towards self-indulgence and i definitely think that he does that with the house that jack built okay i haven't seen the house of jack built but that is a criticism i've had of his stuff previously um as far as i know the golden glove is available on shudder us okay okay i, I did a bit of snooping to see if i could find anything on uh uk release but mm-hmm. i couldn't really see anything so pretty heavy stuff anything <laughs> anything lighter or was that your lot no that was that was my lot aside from watching the film for this week mm, okay cool right yes yeah, yeah of course so i have one outside of our new thing which sure. we'll get to yeah, yeah i'm also hoping by the way that next week i've got a couple of shorts sitting uh, that I've been wanting to check out for a little while. I'm going to hopefully be able to come back and talk about a couple of those next week. But what I did get to this week was, and I've been meaning to get to it pretty much since it landed on Netflix a couple of weeks back, uh, Jeff Baena's Horse Girl. Ah, yes, yes, with Mitch being favourite, Alison Brie. Yes, in fact, there's a few uh, Mitch being favourites uh, tucked in here. Oh. Uh, Molly Shannon right. is in there as well. She's outstanding. Uh, we also have, in kind of like... These kind of like very amusing minor roles. Uh, Matthew Gray Gubler is in it. But he plays a character that's like in a show within the film. Right. And it, all of that stuff is really entertaining. And um, Angela Trimber. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, is in it as well. And uh, so basically, Horse Girl, yeah, like you say, it stars Alison Brie, who also produced and co wrote this. Also went to drama school here in Glasgow. She did indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real surname, Schmermerhorn. But anyway, yeah, she's brilliant in this. And, and actually, so is everyone else. I have been reading a couple of things about what people have been thinking about this one. And people do seem to be a little bit split on it, which I can understand, especially as it goes on. Um, but basically what you have here is uh, Alison works in a paint shop. Like a hobby craft. Kind of, yeah, 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 yeah. And she is uh, kind of also kind of obsessed with horses mm-hmm. she has this horse that she used to kind of ride it's not hers anymore so she goes to the stables every now and again and they're kind of like visibly irked by the fact that she keeps turning up to see this horse but they can't really tell her not to a lot of her interactions with people remind me and i did say this when i saw the trailer but a lot of the interactions between her and the other characters do remind me a little bit of angela bettis and may right which is a uh, obviously like a nice touchstone for me well that's a positive for you it is yeah and like and she, but she's obviously like she's she's kind of like glamming down a fair bit Right, for this role, and she's really, really good in it. Um, and Molly Shannon is kind of her workmate and kind of her closest friend in it, really. So basically, you just have her who, and she's just kind of looking for human connection in the same way, like I say, as Angela Bettis was in me. But what sets it apart, really, is that she has these kind of like these kind of very strange dreams that start to bleed into reality. Mm-hmm. And it eventually pulls, and I'm not going to say anything about the actual substance of the ending, obviously, but it has the kind of ending that a film has to earn. Like, it's the kind of ending that would feel a bit silly in the hands of a lesser filmmaker and a lesser film. Right, okay. I get um, and, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to compare it to anything in case I give anything away, but basically, I understand why people have split on this a little bit, but I loved it. I like, really, really liked it. And um, the score the score is amazing. It's got this really kind of nice fairy tale vibe right. to it. Uh, there's this one recurring kind of motif that keeps coming back and back that I love. Um, I just really like the feel of it. It's got a really nice kind of indie sensibility and everyone is doing really nice understated work in it. A lot of the interactions feel improvised, although I don't feel like they were. I don't think they were. Right, okay. We just, just really liked it. Just really liked Horse Girl. It's on Netflix in the UK and presumably everywhere else now and just go scope out. At the risk of spoilers, mm-hmm. has it ever clarified what a relationship is with this horse? <laughs> It's not a major plot point, I'll say that much. No, so you, you don't find out what the connection is? They don't have a romantic backstory, I'll say that no, much. I, wasn't, I wasn't for a minute indicating that uh, I thought that that's the, the kind of avenue that this film was going down. <laughs> um, it's, you kind of know all you need to know about it, put it that way. It doesn't delve into a massive amount of detail on that point. Right, okay. 
But yeah, it's out there. And uh, personally, if you if you like the kind of indie things that I tend to talk about and like on here, go and watch it because it's great. <laughs> if you don't, then I guess don't. <laughs> I've just had this thought of uh, this romantic love story angle coming across between Alice and Bree and this horse, and it's like he's like whinnying and like answering her questions with one clop or two clops. <laughs> <laughs> Or like a quizzical three globs. Yeah, we just a really nice kind of rom com score over the top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like I like a like a proper love actually whimsical thing. <laughs> no, horse girl, it's great. Right, excellent. Well, so do we have a theme for this? No, 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 we don't. Um, uh, what was out in the nineties? Nineties uh, baby, ding 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 ding. It's nineties baby. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I, I mean, we can workshop it. Sure, um, yeah. I am on a 90s horror side quest in the aftermath of the Shockwaves 100. I, oh, I could have done... You can't watch this. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Let's just keep working now. Let's yeah. just keep brainstorming. Sorry, please continue. No, uh, in the aftermath of the Shockwaves 100, I had to think about what about that list had kind of drawn my eye and what about it had kind of made me curious and what avenues I wanted to kind of explore afterwards. And also, we needed a feature to replace it. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I have decided that, because I've spoken a little bit about how certain 90s horror stuff has kind of piqued my curiosity, especially pre-Scream. Right, yeah. Uh, because I think before then, I kind of feel like it was kind of untethered to a particular zeitgeist, and then after that, it very abruptly was. So I'll be, I will be looking at both of those things, but... Yeah, basically the plan is for me to dig out a little bit more 90s horror over the next few weeks. And I did that this week with uh, a recommendation that we had from uh, film fan Stevie when yes. we first mentioned this. Michael Haneke's Funny Games, the original the from original, 1997. Yes. So I had seen this before, but not for a really long time. And I've also seen the Shot for Shot remake that he made in 2008. Yep. When I hadn't seen very much stuff and was just trying to seek out stuff that was a little bit darker, I watched the English language version probably about maybe eight or nine years ago and i liked it then and i kind of got what it was trying to do and for a while i put off watching the original because i kind of thought well it's shot for shot so what's the point yes i do think that there's a point to watching both um if you're interested in it and you are like if you're a fan of either then i think that watching the other is a worthwhile exercise um i think that it's quite a clever idea obviously for the for people who aren't familiar it's just kind of this uh, well-to-do couple who go to a kind of holiday home and are just kind of set upon by these two guys and then it obviously goes in increasingly dark directions and gets increasingly more violent but obviously the whole idea is that it's kind of trying to deny you the catharsis of the violence and focus on the aftermath i think it's supposed to be a kind of commentary on how violent films were at that time yeah like i think it was supposed to be a theoretically actually conceived as a reaction in natural born killers if i read rightly right okay uh which i think is kind of strange because i kind of feel like that's what natural natural born killers is trying to do just in a different way but also so i didn't mind this and with michael haneke i like his, i like his stuff generally i really like amour i really like uh, the white ribbon and i really like hidden i used to like funny games i actually find him at his most annoying when he's kind of moralizing Okay. And obviously this film has quite a lot of that because it's, like I say, it's got so much that it wants to say about violence in cinema and kind of the fetishizing of violence in cinema. I understand that the way that they're trying to do that here is quite blunt force, but I also think that it's not particularly nuanced. I think that he's got a tendency to be a little bit finger-waggy when he's moralizing. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely get that. Um, and I think that the film is interesting, and I think that the kind of the stuff it does with the fourth wall and that kind of thing. Sure, yeah. There, it's it's worth it's worth seeing if that kind of thing piques your curiosity. But I would say that uh, Funny Games is something I found very interesting when I'd seen less films, and I'm finding increasingly more tiresome with every revisit. Oh wow! Uh, but uh, it was interesting to watch it again, and it was interesting to just kind of like recenter what I thought about it. Um, but yeah, I actually think that I haven't seen every Michael Haneke film that there is. I think you have to be in a very specific mood to watch this stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, 
but I would say that it's kind of like it kind of it kind of just keeps going down my list to be honest. Um, I kind of feel like the commentary is a little bit of a muddle, and I just like I say, I think it just it just feels a little bit preachy in its message. Right, I haven't visited either funny games probably for about ten years. It's almost as fun a double feature as the house that Jack built in the Golden Glove. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, I guess leg two of the nineties uh, horror side quest. I will hopefully pick something next week that I'm a little bit more fond of. Yeah, or something uh, more fun. <laughs> yeah, that might be nice. Yeah, yeah, that got a wee bit cerebral just for a second there, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. But that's fine. Yeah, we need to do that occasionally. Yeah. However, what have they been saying? They've been saying a lot. And uh, on the subject of uh, intensely intellectual and fairly dense subject matter, uh, the vast majority of the feedback this week has been on the Garbage Pail Kids. Yes, yeah. As you would expect, uh, all the boffins coming out of the woodwork here, all the... The cinephiles. Yeah. The the chin strokers. (laughs) The deep thinkers. The theorists. The scholars. They're all out in full for the garbage pill kids. Like, like the intelligentsia that like flies to shit. <laughs> the garbage pill kids. Uh, no, big thank you to Mr. Sam Ashurst, of course, director of A Little More Flesh and Frankincense Creature and co-host of the Arrow Video Podcast for joining us this past week to talk the garbage pill kids. I'm not going to lie, I went into that show not in the best of moods. <laughs> like just in general from like the week you know yeah, yeah, it had been yeah, one yeah. of those and uh, and then I watched the film and if anything I was worse after <laughs> that and then the conversation absolutely made my week it was so much fun yeah I had an absolute blast with it and the feedback seems incredibly positive coming in from people and extremely plentiful as well yeah so I'll jump in with something really quickly uh, Julie a new listener uh. um, Julie in Edinburgh with love and viol on Twitter violin uh, uh, violence, I believe, but sure, you know, yes. character limits are a bitch. Still a great film, and how can you resist a female protagonist called Tangerine? Problem is, she's incredibly difficult to resist. Well, Dodger can. Yeah, yeah. Um, some sad news on the Garbage Pail Kids here. Okay. Coming in from our old pal Kevin Matthews at Saltire Popcom. Okay. On Twitter. He's uh, said, sadly, he's had to temporarily drop out of the strong, violent PC 100% club. You think you know a person? Yeah, until he watches the damn Garbage Pail Kids movie. But, uh, <laughs> trust me, the challenge has been accepted. We've laid down the gauntlet. He has picked it up. And uh, presumably he's taken some time to hunt it down when he could quite easily jump onto YouTube because it is there. Yep, Kevin will follow through. I'm sure. I could have worded that better. Hanny underscore Ray on Twitter. Yes. Uh, Experienced this film for the first time last year. What a weird, gross spectacle. The friend that recommended (laughs) it luckily included a you have to see this to believe it tag, so I felt a little prepared, if not really enough. It's an absolute fucking freak show, isn't it? It's a total circus. Uh, Yes, I would say that that is fair. It is um, shambolic in almost every sense of the word. Another way they could have done the, rather than incarcerating the the garbage pail kids in that disgusting death factory. Mm Mm-hmm would be to have them paraded as freaks. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Like, yeah, like a circus type Yeah, thing. and then have them liberated from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That would have been way less nihilistic, as opposed to them breaking out of a literal prison and finding out that most of their friends had died along the way. Yeah, God. I have a really good one, actually, from our old pal Rob Nevitt. Ah, Spectral Films. Spectral Films. And, of course, uh, Top Man at Sagloid Screams. Former guest on this very show. He yep. came on a while ago and talked about House of Mortal Sin. Uh, one of my one of my favourite film discoveries, actually, from the entire thing. I loved House of Mortal Sin. So, uh, Rob got in touch with some longer considerations, which is always nice. Yes, indeed. Uh, it, was a, it was a double tweet special, in fact. Greedy. I know. Great episode, gents. Thank you. Two immediate thoughts. I imagine that Greaser Greg's origin story would be something similar to Savage Streets. <laughs> Perfect. 
Secondly, if the song for the Garbage Pail Kids movie isn't a metaphor for no-budget filmmaking, I don't know what is. It should be played on a boombox, say-anything style at the commencement of every indie film shoot henceforth. So, uh, his opinion on that, falling in line with Sam's. Yeah, and if you don't know the song in question, uh, pop onto YouTube and stick in Working With Each Other Mm -hmm. and have a listen to that, or indeed listen to our episode, which we would prefer. <laughs> stay all the way to the end where the song is in full. You know what? You know what? Don't go anywhere else. It's not accessible anywhere else in the world. You have to listen to the episode to get it. You got anything else on Garbage Pill Kids? I've got a couple of things. I've got a couple of things here, both incredibly nice pieces of feedback on the Garbage Pill Kids episode. Okay. We'll start with Andre Martins at Callahan. Okay. Saying, okay, so this week's episode of Strong Violent PC might be the absolute peak every episode in the future will be compared to. Oh, wow. No other episode made me want to watch the film discussed more than this. Respect for the excellent choice and defence to Certified Madman, Sam Ashall. Certified Madman, love that. He should put that in his Twitter bio. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, James Plum. Oh, Mad Science, Mad Science Films. Films. Old pal, yeah. Yeah, I'm calling it now the best episode of Strong Violent PC yet. Wow. Wow, that's huge. Really cool. Watchfiles Mitch finally caving under Sam Ashurst's well-thought-out arguments for the Garbage Pail Kid movie's artistic merits. Soundtrack by Andy Makestuff's Gleeful Giggling. <laughs> Sounds about right, really. Yeah, like I mean, I had to I had to make a lot of concessions at how well Sam did with that, to be honest. Yeah, and accompanied by a gif of what I believe is a Jonas brother doing an air kiss. Doing a chef's kiss. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It is a Jonas brother, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, although I quite like the fact that I think that we're both now sufficiently of an age that we know it's a Jonas brother, but we could not guess which one. Now, all I know about the Jonas brothers is that one of them's married to Priyanka Chopra. One of them was in Scream Queens as well. Uh, a show that I am a big fan of. Yeah, I didn't watch it. It's very, very good. And by it's very, very good, I mean I like it, but it's the kind of winky self-referential thing that I love and you definitely hate. So, <laughs> are you recommending that I go and watch Scream Queens? <laughs> no, but the next Andy vs. Mitch I'm going to do is going to be season one of Scream Queens, and you're going to have to watch ten hours of it. You can get yourself to fun. Yes, I certainly can. <laughs> uh, what's a quick hello to Carl Anthony Smart. Uh, regular listener, fairly infrequent contributor. Yes. Always nice to hear from him. So uh, Carl got in touch and just a great episode, gents, and then posted us some pictures of uh, some relevant topical Garbage Pail Kids cards. Sure. Including sure. Handy Andy. See, that, that's what I got my name at the start of this episode from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, has two hammers in his hand and he's got loads of nails in his face. So I actually think that he's less handy than his name implies. Sure. Um, also, Mixed Up Mitch, which uh, <laughs> I posted this week as well. And uh, my personal favourite and incredibly appropriate, uh, say this to Sam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't view Sam as a sadist for his choice, but uh, I can see why you might. It's a viable theory, I think. Yeah. That's just about all I have on the garbage pail kids. Do you have anything else elsewhere? Any other topics? I do. Let's go back a couple of weeks to Congo. Yeah, Dave Cooper, our old pal, uh, deluxe underscore man on Twitter and the host of uh, Anyone for Seconds podcast. Yes, indeed. Uh, got in touch and told us that Congo was on TV, and uh, this kind of reignited the conversation about Congo. Yeah, I thought it was our duty to then share that important piece of news, so I hope... Everyone out there who might have wanted to see Congo managed to catch it or catch some of it or even catch it on the Plus One channels. Yeah, I would like to think so. But uh, Dave saying, uh, Congo was as batty as I expected. I regret nothing. My only problem is how did the laser gun happen? Having said that, I enjoyed the hell out of Congo. An episode we listen is an order. Ah, cool. Okay, always nice. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of miscellaneous things. Actually, I have a couple of things from Stevie. Stevie, film fan Stevie. Film fan Stevie, yeah. Uh, he, this week, watched The Gift That Keeps On Giving, Secret Obsession. <laughs> Said, uh, if you whisper Secret Obsession five times to Netflix, the film starts. Just watch the film. It's certainly a film with a Chekhov's lighter in it, complete with a screen grab of 
the lighter in question. Sure, sure. And also, he said, kicking off this cold Friday morning with strong, violent PC at the Curzon Bloomsbury before watching Little Joe. I really want to see Little Joe. I'll need to quiz him about yeah. what he thinks of that. Also, I'm going to be seeing Stevie this week. Oh, yeah, this is the, the Glasgow Film Festival kicks off this week. So kicks Stevie off, will be in town. Kicks off on Wednesday, yeah. So um, uh, me and Stevie are heading along to the opening night. Lovely. Uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. We had a great time last year with uh, mid-90s. This year it's Proxima. Yes. Uh, very much looking forward to that. So yeah, Stevie uh, making the trip up and uh, yeah, looking forward to catching up with them. I mentioned Boffins earlier. You did. Dr. Lauren McIntyre's here. <laughs> this stuff was awesome. Yeah. Uh, going back to Knock Knock. I am really glad that people are still talking about Knock Knock. Lauren has some thoughts on Knock Knock. Okay. Catching up with Strong Violent PC Knock Knock episode. Mm-hmm. Having dug several hundred graves, I can tell you a person proficient with a spade can shift about a cubic metre of soil in seven to eight hours. So those girls are either absolute machines or Keanu has lost quite a bit more time. This was kind of the theory that we posited. Uh, so I'm quite glad that uh, we were kind of on the money there. Yeah, they could literally have dug a pit for what they intended to do. But yeah, they chose to dig... A, can I almost... And someone else on Twitter commented on this, but it's something that always bugs me in films. The geometric accuracy of a grave. Yes, aha. Uh-huh, it's uh-huh. never just a random hole. Yeah, it's, 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 it's genuinely like a perfect cuboid. Yeah. <laughs> it's exceptionally silly. It's one of the sillier aspects of a very silly film. Thank you, Lauren, for getting in touch. Uh, I love when you do that. It's incredibly satisfying to hear the inaccuracies in things. I do want to mention that, actually, this did trigger a conversation where people weighed in with some extremely cerebral stuff, but um, it would have been quite exhausting to read it all out. I, I can't pronounce half the things, to be honest. It is worth borrowing in Twitter, though. If that's, a, if that's your thing, if this level of pedantry is up your street, <laughs> then get stuck in because there's a whole world out there. Oh, yeah, week. there's doctors talking about soil and strata. I was pleased with it. I was pleased with it. That's just about it for me, I think. Yeah, I've got another thing here. Okay, cool. 100% club. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Scared Sheepless, Caitlin, getting in touch to say, as of this morning, I am in the 100% club for both Strong Violent PC and our pals over at I Spit On Your Grades. Ah, excellent, cool, okay, nice. Yeah, Stopgap Satanic Panic themed podcast until Friday when our Garbage Pail Kids episode arrived. I hope it was everything you wanted it to be and more. I'm going to write some kind of fanfare music for uh, people reaching the 100 club. Can't we just download it? It's just a... Surely. Andy, I need to be busy. I need to be part. I need to feel like I'm contributing. Andy, I know you can get royalty-free fanfare music. Just fucking humour me, okay? <laughs> got to keep the rules from the door. Keep those, keep those uh, dark thoughts at me. <laughs> Jingle, jangle, happy music. <laughs> Are you done with feedback? <laughs> I just want to quickly say one thing. I want to uh, say thanks to our pal, John McPhail. Yes, ah, yeah, this was amazing. Who dropped us a message, both of us a message, actually, in which uh, Hellraiser's Kirsty, Ashley Lawrence, uh, said hi to us while having a coffee with John and Ellie. John has a very interesting life. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Big thank you for that, John. Made her day, both of us. Yes, and thanks to Ashley for taking the time to do that. Very much appreciated, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, I'm cleaned out. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. And boy, do we. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It'll be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He will have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, any identifying text, and leave only the image. It'll be my job to describe it to the best of my ability and, where possible, give it a title and a synopsis. We'll also share it to all of our social media channels so you guys can get in touch with pitches of your own. Yep. And loads of you did that this week. 
yeah, standards are high. Yeah. I, I managed to see a couple of things on Twitter. So last week we had Phobia. Phobia, yeah, well yeah. done. Yeah, reappropriated by me as the grief tourists. There must be an angel of death playing with my heart. Huh. Fairly niche joke. Don't yeah. feel good about it. Yeah. Uh, everyone, literally everyone who got in touch with a, uh, a pitch for this was better than mine. Yes. I don't mind telling you. Like, like that's that's just that's just the truth. Uh, CP Buckley once again getting in touch with something that I would watch the living daylights out of. I have to tell you about this. I'm really excited to, to let you hear this one. Okay. Schlock horror reviewer Gary Gorman receives a letter inviting him to see a film that has been believed to have been lost for decades. Finding himself alone in a large screen, Gary starts to experience strange delusions as the film starts to play. He finds himself trapped within the films he's reviewed, cast as one of the victims. After each death, he wakes in a new movie, only to be murdered over and over again. During one of these films, he finds a letter telling him that he's being punished. The letter is signed by a director whose films he's planned. <laughs> the director is using dark magic to punish Gary for his reviews. When Gary wakes in the very movie he panned, he knows this is the end of the line and he must find a way to change the film's ending so he may survive. <laughs> it's 1988's little scene cult horror screening of death. Wow, okay. I, like I really that. like that as an idea. I yeah. really like it. Uh, Chris Salt. Yes. Solitary science student Ronald Elm Street. <laughs> very good. Doesn't think that his college classmates treat him with the respect he deserves. He's a smart guy with a lot to offer. But while they're out every night drinking and partying and getting it on, Ronald's left Ooh. alone in his room to simmer with resentment and getting worked up about women on the internet. <laughs> but the tables turn when a freak accident in the lab leaves him with the uncanny ability to manipulate people's dreams, and he decides to get even with his oblivious peers by inflicting intolerable night terrors upon them in 1987's heavily telegraphed punchline, Nightmare Ron Elm Street. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> Low-hanging fruit, but I'm going to give him the point. Yeah, sure. Uh, Laura, buying an LV. Disco superstar Joan Grace drops one too many and loses her minds in 1984's psychedelic also-ran Neon Brainiac. Oh. Right, Canel got in touch. Yeah. Uh, Kolak on Twitter. i got to say, I love this. Right. Texas mumble rapper, young one-hit wonder, falls under the influence <laughs> of evil tattoo artist Benny the Squid, convincing him to get increasingly more elaborate and job interview-threatening facial tattoos in Full Moon's ill-advised urban body horror, Faces of Meths. <laughs> wow, that's fucking great. Yeah. Uh, Hany underscore Ray, he controls the elements, he controls minds, but he can't control his temper. He's the man with the killer stare. Oh, she's really good at punchy taglines. Yeah, really good. Uh, Tony Constantine, when embittered human guinea pig tests subject, <laughs> inexplicably gains telekinetic powers after exclusively eating free-range turkey Twizzlers for an entire year, she sets about getting revenge on those who've wronged her throughout her life. Now, as soon the bodies start to pile up, the bodies continue to pile up as it somehow falls on retired <laughs> food critic Dusty Lunchbox to stop the bodies from piling up and elect her. Fucking hell. And director Leonard Skinner's 1973's Food for Thought crime classic, If I Bleed Here Tomorrow, Would You Still Dismember Me? <laughs> wow, is that it? That's that. Oh, wait, I've got one more. Actually, it's a great one as well. Okay. Um, Andrew Marshall. Sure. Semi-pro geek. When a certain pollution... But this is deep cut, by the way. If you're not a 90s kid, you might struggle with this one. When a certain pollution-battling 90s superhero decides that the world is beyond saving, he instead sends nightmares of elemental wrath into the unsuspecting minds of humanity. As the fear spreads and the destruction intensifies, it's up to a newly ordained minister and an international quintet of ethnically diverse teenagers to convince eco-friendliness to be a little less aggressive in Chaplin Janet and the Planet's Tears. <laughs> like, that idea is ambitious. 
but that execution is sterling. Wonderful. Okay, so I think that's genuinely one of the best weeks we've had in a really long time. Yeah, I thought I had it locked down in my head until you read Andrew's out. Andrew's is very good. I am gonna allow you joint winners this week if you feel it necessary because everyone's is so good. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to give CP Buckley the best pitch. Okay, as in like synopsis. Yeah. Yes, because a really cool idea. But like removing points for the title. Okay. Okay. Didn't feel was as strong as the rest of the pitch. Yes. Okay. The rest of it was excellent. Mm-hmm. Best title, I'm going to have to give to Andrew Marshall. Yes, it's excellent. Yep. I think best character name might need to go to Canel. Uh, the Texas mumble rapper Young One Hit Wonder. Yeah. Yes, I'm happy with that also. Yeah. So, shares of the spoils going to CP, Andrew, and Canel this week. That's a good thing about giving away nothing, Mitch. We can do it week on week for as many people deserve it. Yeah, infinite recipients. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I was going to say that concludes Mrs. Pitches. It does not. No, it doesn't. Are you ready? We're just getting started, aren't we? Um, okay, here we go. Okay. Oh, keeping it nice and simple, I see. Thank you very much. Right. Okay, so the uh, border on this image is white. Ooh. Uh, very fancy. And then there's a navy blue insert, and uh, the actual image is a circle yes. within that. The circle also has a white border. The circle also has a white border with a black trim. Um, <laughs> inside the image, we are uh, there's some uh, some nautical troubles going on here. I'll see. We have a woman in a pink bikini in a state of some distress. Yes. With that long brown hair. Tell me why, Mitch. She is looking over her uh, right shoulder, uh, looking horrified, because she is being grabbed, harassed, (laughs) by an octopus, or certainly a many-tentacled beast. Sure. I think octopus is fine, Mitch. And uh, just in the interest of a fun extrapolation, I'm going to introduce the theory that the octopus's head looks quite like an elephant's head. Okay. You see that? If you can imagine the kind of like... It's like, like, like just... Like, just to kind of off to the side of its left eye. Imagine that being an ear. And imagine one of those tentacles being a trunk. Is this where you're going with this? I mean, I think it might be now. Like, uh, so basically, yes, we have a voluptuous brown-haired woman in pink bikini being grabbed by octopus. Slash elephant. With elephant hybrid qualities, question mark. I'll need a minute. Possibly longer than a minute, because I think of just... I think this hot take might take me to some unusual places. Worth mentioning, Mitch, I don't know if you're aware of this, but actually elephants have been found quite far out at sea. Really? Yeah, yeah, they're quite proficient swimmers for such large creatures. Well, I think that adds credence to my theory, then. So your theory would indicate that an elephant fucked an octopus? Yes. That's exactly what my theory is. And on that note, I have a pitch for you. Once again, inexplicably set in the future. It's 2031. Oh, fuck off. And billionaire zoo tycoon Pamela Enclosure has secured the capture and transport of a multitude of animals for her flagship zoo from a remote island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Right. Enlisting the services of the island's leading scientist and logistician, Dr. Matthew Ronald Transporter, the safe passage of the animals to America is steered by the use of the doctor's pioneering teleportation device. However, what Closure doesn't know is that the expert is in fact her spurned ex-husband, Julius Beaker, operating under a sinister pseudonym. Right. Using a duplicate transporter to fuse the DNA of an octopus and an elephant, Julius dispatches the marauding hell beast to America to wreak havoc on Enclosure and her fellow employees. We Bought a Zoo meets the fly in 2018's blisteringly biting, savagely stinging B-movie homage and corporate satire, Elephantopus, the shrieking revenge of Dr. Matar Transporter. I'm not even going to laugh at that. 
<laughs> yeah, you are. No, I'm not. That's very silly. It's it's, it's one of it's one of the sillier. So things. let me ask you this. Yes. Is it a gargantuan creature? Or is it an elephant-sized octopus or an octopus-sized elephant? I would say that judging by the poster, it has the proportions of uh, either a very large octopus or a very small elephant. <laughs> so what you've done Not there, a baby elephant, like a, like a small adult elephant. But what you've done there is you haven't answered my question at all. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm just the ideas, man. Okay? Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> right, I'm going to hazard a guess that this actually isn't. Uh, elephantopus. It's not elephantopus, but I want to say now, I would watch elephantopus. It's also an extremely satisfying word to say. Elephantopus. All manner of these kind of animal crossover films, like what was it, Sharktopus versus Werewolf? Oh yeah, 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 like 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 um, a giant bear versus fucking massive spider and all that stuff. It's not very clever. (laughs) None of the rest of them are there. Excuse me, Sharktopus is incredibly clever. Piranaconda. I like that. That's good. I'd watch that. Yeah. Anyway, it's not. Uh, what year did you say? Twenty eighteen. <laughs> I literally just made it twenty eighteen so I could use "We Bought a Zoo" in the <laughs> comparison. <laughs> Fuck off. Uh, yeah, it's uh, nineteen seventy seven. <laughs> Possibly the wildest I've ever swung. Continue. <laughs> and the film is <laughs> a video Aceritas's tentacles. Tentacles. The biggest question of every week: What's it about? And who's our synopsisizer? I think we've got a new synopsisizer this week. Always nice. Uh, we've got Nick Reganis. Nick Reganis. Okay, lay on me, Nick. On IMDb, coming in with... Against the backdrop of unaccountable disappearances at the sunny seaside resort of Ocean Beach, the inquisitive reporter Ned Turner arrives at the small town to visit his sister Tilly and her 10-year-old son. Okay. Before long, a new string of deaths terrorises the city as a mutated giant octopus preys on unsuspecting swimmers and tourists. Now, it's up to Ned and the marine biologist Will Gleason to shed light on this mystery and track down the stealthy killer octopus. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Does Mr. Whitehead, the president of the Trojan Construction Company and his underwater tunnel have something to do with the oceanic disturbance? Either way, is there an escape from the tentacles of terror? <laughs> have you seen this? Uh, yes, yeah, I have actually. It's on Amazon Prime right now. Is it? Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Good, good, good. Love it. That's yeah. that's that's one of my favourite synopsis in ages. Was but wait, there's more part of the synopsis. No, that was. <laughs> I was really hoping it was part of the synopsis. <laughs> That concludes Mitch's pitches for this week. That image is everywhere. Um, get in touch. See if you can top this week's ones. It's going to take some doing. Yeah, I've seen some coming in already today on Twitter, and they're they're very strong. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah. There's uh, some 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 pretty powerful stuff coming in there. I feel like people are leaning heavily towards making me laugh because some of them are quite dirty. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that that's true. I think that I think that because I hold no sway in the decision making, I think that people are tending to gravitate towards the things that you like, which are filth and wordplay. <laughs> Which is presumably why you're such a historic fan of saucy limericks. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, uh, we do have some streaming platform stuff for this week. Oh, do we? Now, one that um, wasn't on the list for last week, but has turned up on Netflix this past week in the UK. Definitely worth a mention. Girl on the Third Floor. Brilliant. Love um, it. Yeah, we were talking about this on social media this week, but just in case you missed that, Travis Stevens' festival smash, Girl on the Third Floor, is on Netflix in the UK and I believe in America as well now and uh, cannot recommend that highly enough amazing stuff however looking ahead to this week mm-hmm. on netflix on tuesday we have a film called every time i die 
After a paramedic's violent death during a weekend trip, his spirit inhabits his friends' bodies in an effort to save them from a similar fate. Sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> what is he? That's that so sounds bad. minging. Um, Wednesday, season one of I Am Not Okay With This. Angsty Sid navigates high school awkwardness, family drama, and an unrequited crush on her best friend while trying to rein in her budding superpowers. This stars Sophia Lillis. Oh, right, okay, from It. From It, yeah, um, who's great. Yeah. So that's there from Wednesday. Uh, Thursday, season two of Altered Carbon. This is the most confusing plot synopsis of anything I've ever heard. I've For never what, watched this. Neither have I, right? But get a load of this. When a job brings Takeshi Kovacs back to Harlan's world with a new sleeve, he finds the planet at war and his long-lost love lurking in the shadows. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> Does yeah. fucking smoky backyard businessman, Tex Richmond, have anything to do with it with his underwater tunnel? I don't understand. I don't understand that either, but presumably all carbon fans will. Yeah. And that's available from Thursday. And also on Thursday, um, a film that is simply called Thriller. Unsure what genre it is. Sure. But the description there, when a prank goes wrong, a shy kid from Compton is sent away for murder. Four years later, he's back and out for revenge on Homecoming Weekend. I'm not going to lie, I'm going to watch this. Shudder, a little bit quiet this week, not going to lie. Thursday, episode 7 of The Deadlands, but that's about it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, Amazon Prime, predictably, absolute fucking bagel. Nothing there, um, <laughs> as far as I can tell. Um, I like bagels. And Sky Cinema, uh, not much going on there either, but on Saturday we do have Godzilla King of the Monsters. Oh, right, okay, yes. Uh, good for mon- Monster Smashy Smash, but terrible for Human Chatty Chat. Okay, okay, cool. I haven't seen it because I did not like the first one. Oh, well, my penis sprang to attention on Friday, Mitch. Thanks for the update. <laughs> Arrow Video announced that they're putting out the Gamera collection. Okay, 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 okay. So 12 Gamera films, Big Mad, Fire Breathing Turtle. This is basically the equivalent of you getting a sext from our video, isn't it? <laughs> hey, babe, what are you doing? And then just uh, a photo of the camera box set, and I'm like, <laughs> in my pants. Fucking hell. Um, that is it for the streaming platforms this week. Uh, for a pick, I am going to say... Can I say Spectros again? <laughs> I am going to say Thriller. Okay. I mean, it looks like it looks like a flaming garbage pile, but I think it'll be fun. I'm going to go with the first one. Uh, okay, so that is Every Time I Die. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so that is your stream of platform stuff this week. Uh, potentially quantity over quality, but if you watch any of it, let us know. Yeah. We'll be very curious to know what any of you make of any of it, to be honest. Because I probably won't have time to watch any of it. I'll do my best. <laughs> but I do have one film to watch this week because we have a guest and a film yes, to do. talk about. So we have a returning guest this week. It's been a long, long time. Uh, yes, if my maths are right. It's been 85 episodes. Yes, it has been. You know her as the host of Fear House. Yes. And also from the Leviathan episode of this show, all the way back in episode 5, Blair Bathory returning. Can't wait for this. I can't wait to have Blair back on the show. We had a blast the last time. I see no reason why it should be any different this time when the film that we're doing is Lake Placid. Lake Placid! It's going to be fun. Yeah, I, what, I mean, I'm going to say I... Right now, don't mind telling you, not as good as I remembered. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. I am. Uh, I can't remember if I've seen it. I watched a lot of stuff from that era, but I'm not sure. I think I'm going to I'm gonna have to look at it again more closely. <laughs> sure, you do that. But Blair joining us this week, rejoining us this week, to talk Lake Placid. How are you feeling about that? You can get in touch with us and let us know. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. And you can, of course, also email Strong Language Violent Scenes at gmail.com. Yep, and hop onto our website, strongviolentpod.com, where you can find all the information pertaining to the show, including live dates. Yeah, 
that's not updated yet, but something's happening. Yeah. Uh, so, mm-hmm. the worst kept secret, uh, maybe ever. Maybe since we did a show at Celluloid Screams that everyone knew was coming months in advance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we were, we're very bad at keeping that to ourselves. Yes, we will be doing a live show on Thursday the 5th of March. Sure will. At the Admiral Bar on Waterloo Street in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. We will be kicking off at approximately 6.30. Yeah, 6, 6.30. We'll, um, have, we'll be firming that up in the next little while. Um, a proper kind of post and some announcements about that will follow. Absolutely, as well, confirmation of our guest and film, for there will be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Looking at some looking at some stuff there. Yep, uh, but that is when it will be. Thursday, the 5th of March, at the Admiral Bar, which gives you ample time after that to make your way up to the GFT for the opening of Glasgow Fight Fest and Aaron and Justin's Synchronic. Yep, we're going to be very, very careful to let you out and plenty of time to head up for that yeah yeah we won't keep you any longer than is absolutely necessary we won't be dead bolting the door or anything irrational like that no 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 that's a fire risk mitch it is indeed we are back on friday talking lake placid with blair bathory join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds goodbye bye You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 